College admissions and transitions can be overwhelming. SATs, AP classes, resumes, financial aid, and the list goes on. We as parents and counselors are here to help our teenagers make sense of it all and empower them to make good decisions. If you want to see your child succeed in that transition, which we all do, it comes down to helping them accept who they are. That's why we created Self Accepted, guiding families through college admissions and big transitions. This bi-monthly podcast will answer the questions that we hear parents asking all the time, so you'll be prepared to send your child into their bright future. Hi, I'm Dr. Beth Denard. My students and their families call me Yoda Beth. Not because I've trained Jedi for 800 years, but something pretty close. For the last 40 years, I've helped families prepare and transition their students successfully into adulthood. A pretty comparable feat, don't you agree? I'm the owner and director of Bright Futures Consulting, a U.S. Air Force veteran, former college admissions counselor, mentor, mom, and grandmother. I'm excited to share what I know with you, both from my formal education and the School of Hard Knocks. I want to lead you away from misleading information and the college frenzy and closer to having answers that move your teenager forward towards their bright future. Let's get into it. Howdy, Dr. Beth Denard here. Today's episode is really my favorite episode. I shouldn't probably have a favorite, but it's focused on goal setting. Specifically, why we should set goals in the first place. And then we're going to have a second part of this, followed by this first part about goal setting, and it's going to be getting into more of the granular details on how to actually set goals specifically. But today I'm joined by one of my friends and the Director of Operations for Bright Futures, Elena Guerra. She has a master's degree in higher education and is a certified educational planner. Exploring and finding the best path to achieve goals was something she values as well as I do. So we're both like the goal girls, if you want to put it that way. Um, so she has a black belt in Cooksville One, and that takes a lot of goal setting and a lot of pain and agony and perseverance to attain that. But then again, she's got a fun side. She takes belly dancing classes, and she also bakes the very best homemade cookies. And she puts bananas in there. I don't know if that's in any recipe, but she created that. And they're really, really good cookies. Anyway, in this episode, we're going to talk about the importance of focusing on a goal, the end point or the finish line, uh, the difference between goal setting and living strategically. So that's where Elena comes in and she's going to really add a lot of pop to this, this podcast because she's more of a strategist and I'm more of just a plain old vanilla goal setter. We're also going to be talking about why teenagers and their soon-to-be empty nesters, their parents, need to start setting goals now and the likely consequences if they don't. So before we get started, here are the upcoming events at Bright Futures Consulting that you will not want to miss. Uh, we have two summer 2020 college application workshops coming up in August. So go to brightfuturesllc.com workshops to learn more and to register right there on the website. Find our show notes for this episode at brightfuturesllc.com slash show notes. We'll put all of our resources there for you to refer to. Again, I'm excited to talk about goal setting, and I just finished reading a book about uh, Winston Churchill. And remember, he was the fat guy with the top hat and, you know, the British guy, prime minister uh, during World War II. And he led 
Great Britain through its darkest days uh, during the German bombing campaign called the Blitz. And regardless of whether he was a fat guy with a top hat or whatever, I've always loved Winston Churchill because of his undaunted courage, especially when things were super gloomy and bleak. He just added so much focus and so much positivity, and we can do it to the British people. So the book I read that I was mentioning, The Splendid and the Vile, it's called uh, The Splendid and the Vile. It's a saga of Churchill, family, and defiance during the Blitz. And I think this comes, me reading this book comes at a really good time during this COVID pandemic because, you know, we're, a lot of people are getting discouraged and they're tired of this. And I think that's exactly how the, the Brits felt during the bombing campaign. And, you know, if you don't know about the Blitz, well, Hitler, the bad guy, and his Nazi regime unloaded on Great Britain tons and tons, millions of tons of bombs especially on London. So a lot of their national treasures were destroyed and 45,000 people, including babies, children, women, non-combatants were killed. So Churchill, even in spite of all this, he was relentless to hold his country together, even when it was under attack and in shambles and to overcome and win the war. So the Nazis were defeated, thank the Lord. And you might be wondering, so what does this have to do with goal setting? You know, you read a book during quarantine, okay, okay. But Churchill set a goal early. His goal was big, defeat Hitler, defeat Nazi Germany. Very clear goal. Seemed like kind of a crazy goal, honestly, at the time. He did not want his country, his culture, his people to fall into the mercy, the hands of the Nazis, because they weren't, they weren't full of mercy, they were evil. And his famous quote, which I love, is never, never, never give up. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. At Bright Futures Consulting, our goal-setting process is the thing that differentiates us from other college counselors. We bring in goal-setting right from the start. So back to Churchill. What was it that he did that kept England alive and together? He helped people focus on winning and on victory. While we at Bright Futures aren't military strategists, still our work helps teenagers achieve their college dreams. And it all starts with their goal setting. We mentor students to be victorious by focusing on the finish line and then targeting their youthful energy to get there. So Elena, you know, you work closely with your students on goal setting, just like I do. What are your thoughts on the word focus? Well, when I think of the word focus, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is motivation. So in Bright Futures, we use the Berkman assessment. Um, however, there are other types of assessments out there, whether it's Myers-Briggs um, or DISC, but whatever it is, I would really encourage people to identify their motivation. And here's why. So I'm an adult with ADHD, which means I commonly ping pong back and forth between lack of focus and hyper focus, meaning I'm distracted like a little puppy who just saw a butterfly, um, <laughs> or I'm that person who is locked in on something like their calendar for four hours in the middle of the night. So it can be really hard for me to find a good balance. However, when I am motivated by something, meaning I've found out what it is that interests me, what makes sense to me, what challenges or inspires me, 
that is when I have the most focus. And so that's what I tell my students because they're different things do it for every person. So again, it may be what is interesting or fun to a student. Um, that student may be someone who's very logical and they have to reason it out. Or it's a student who really just wants to be challenged and that overcoming an obstacle is what's gonna be motivating to them. So once that is found, uh, that is when we focus. And Beth, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. You say you're a vanilla goal setter, but when I think of you, honestly, I think of the word intentional. Um, I don't know if you would agree, but intentional is what comes to mind uh, when I think of you and your goal setting. What do you think? Definitely. I can be very driven and intentional at the same time. And it's a little scary when I get, <laughs> I get into that, that framework. And I just spent a couple uh, days with my sister visiting with her in South Carolina and Something that struck me when she told me that she had lived her life, and she's 65 years old, she had lived her life up until this year, 2020, she had lived her life without intention. And she was, it was sort of like a true confession that she was ashamed of it. She was very sad about it. And she said, Beth, you've always lived your life with intention, and look how much you've achieved. And she's achieved things too, don't get me wrong, but I, don't, I think they sort of happened along the way. And she's very grateful for those blessings in her life, like her children and grandchildren. But I don't think she was super intentional. And that said, I think she's going forward at age 65 to live her life with more intention. So when you live your life without intention or focus, you're at the whim of whatever happens to come by. You know, right now we're dealing with COVID-19 and it's pushed a lot of us around, but focus can help us find our footing again. So as a parent, when your student is intentionally focused, you know they can do anything they set their minds to. There's a saying that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And the Cheshire Cat said that in Alice in Wonderland. And I think that's really true. And what we want is for our students and for your kids to get where they wanna go. So speaking of kids, uh, my grandkids are at summer camp for a couple weeks, so instead of doing nothing because I usually take care of them. I'm finishing up a huge mosaic project that I've been working on for a few years. Now, do not picture the tiny little tiled chips that make up a tiny little mosaic like you would do in your kitchen table. My mosaics are wall-sized and they're made with giant chunks of rustic pottery. <laughs> and it's a lot of work. And it's out in 100 degree heat uh, that I'm doing these mosaics. So what keeps me motivated? to finish 22 of these individual mosaics is that I set a goal to finish them this summer. I wanted to create something out of nothing and that's where it all started. And I wanted also for them to be sort of a creative expression, if you will. So each of them is a free form, colorful mosaic and it starts with a focal point. And I know that sounds hard to imagine like a totally white sheet of paper or in my case, piece of wallboard, and then you're trying to create uh, an interesting or a beautiful mosaic. But something comes to me when I look at the piece of blank sheetrock and I say, hmm, what would I like to put there? And then something comes to me and I create a basic, usually very basic pattern. These are not mosaics like you'd see in the Sistine Chapel or anything like that. They're very crude and rustic. But once I create the pattern, then the creative part is choosing the pieces of pottery that will pop 
against the black grout. So the pottery I have is extremely colorful. It's the uh, Talavera pottery from Mexico. And the reason why I'm talking about this mosaic project is it's been super hard to do and it's been extremely hard to finish because it's been 100 plus degrees here in Texas. But the goal of goal setting is to build structure or a roadmap with deadlines and inter intermediate goals that will keep you from getting distracted and to keep you from giving up when it's hard. Ask yourself, when was the last time your student demonstrated focus and achieved their goal? There might be some things that are coming to your mind. I wanted to create a pause there because it's sometimes hard for parents to remember the times when their students were super focused because we're always nagging them to do this and to do that. But I'm sure if you think about it hard enough, you will remember some project that they gave their whole heart to. And so I want you to remember that because as Elena said, if you find the, the key is motivation. If you find what motivates them and then remind them of that project that they did, that they finished, that they did a great job and had a lot of fun on it and didn't get tired and didn't give up, then I think you're gonna have found the spark that's gonna help them get excited about goal setting. So right now we were talking about the fact that many people were tired of COVID, were tired of quarantine, parents, students, and teachers alike were overloaded, full of emotion, confused, distracted. Um, we also never know where the next infection is coming from in terms of COVID. We don't even know what is and what is not open from day to day. And the future certainly seems uncertain. So sometimes in the backdrop of that uncertainty, we say, what's the use of setting goals? What's the use? And we wanna say that's when you need to set goals and that's when you need to focus and continue to work around the bombs so that you can succeed and have that feeling of success and satisfaction that comes from succeeding. It's important to not only focus, but focus on the things that matter the most to you. When my daughter was in school, we decided to put her into a private Christian school. And we actually, she was a freshman at the local really good public high school. And she was on the A volleyball team. She was succeeding. She was taking all the college prep classes. So you wonder why? Why did we do that? Why did she decide to attend a private school? Why did we decide? We basically decided um, as we observed her social life um, that really and truly um, some of the peers that she was being influenced by were not really upholding our Christian values. And I was noticing that her soul was just dragging. You know, her academics were fine. Um, her athleticism was fantastic, really improving every day. But I could see she was kind of soul sick. And mostly felt like she was drugged down by the social influences in the public school. And what really matters to me is the soul of our children, the soul of people. And I want the students we work with, I want their souls to be nurtured, and that's just why we do goal setting. It really does nurture the soul. So because I cared about my daughter's soul more than anything else, I reasoned that she probably would succeed academically the same in either the public or the private school setting but her soul and spirit would be better served at the private Christian school. What mattered the most and that single factor which drove our decision to move her to private school was her soul and feeding her soul and feeding her spirit. Now we ended up, you know, almost depleting her entire 
college fund because we had to pay for private school and we were not paying for public school. But in the long run, I think she was very well served and I had peace of mind knowing that my daughter's uh, soul was being fed, not just in our own family, but in her school setting. Now, I wanna talk about, because it sounds like, you know, we made a big change there, shifting her from public school where she was seemingly thriving uh, by all the numbers, but her soul was dying to a private school. And I wanna emphasize that sometimes goals change and goals can even compete with each other. And what do you do when that happens? Well, many students we work with, they pride themselves on the goal to be a four-year marching band letterman. It's one of their goals. But just last year, one of my bandsmen was um, putting together her junior schedule. And she said to me, you know, I'm thinking about just not marching next year. Thinking about focusing on the most challenging acad academic year, which is my junior year, and focusing on science fair. She'd already become a finalist in the Houston Science Fair, so she was pretty sure she could have a, a winning science fair project during her junior year. And I encouraged her. I said, well, you know, that's a big decision to leave the marching band when I'm sure a lot of your, your social life uh, comes from that group. And so how do you feel about that? Well, we talked it through, and she said, you know, I really identified what, I really identified what matters the most to me and even though marching band and being a four-year letterman is important, what matters the most is my academics and my science fair. So because she shifted and changed out her goals for her junior year, let me just tell you, um, her academics, she shot up to be almost valedictorian and she wasn't going into junior year. She also had her science fair project nationally recognized. And because of that, she ended up earning a lot of college scholarships. So that one risky move was extremely rewarding. Um, and you know, she had to fight off the peer pressure to return to marching band, but she stuck to her new goal and her ingenious original science fair project catapulted her into the national science spotlight. So we're going to shift gears a little and talk about the difference between setting goals and living strategically. Yeah. when. Um so when I think of goals and goal setting, I also think of that quote that goals are dreams with an action plan. But when you're like me, you're made of action. You are action. Action defines you. And so you find yourself going in a hundred different directions, uh, just like the student you just talked about who had a lot of things competing uh, for her attention and time and priority. Uh, I actually remember when I was a teenager, my mom would say, why do you have to always do things 110%? And you would think that's a compliment, but trust me, she wasn't saying it in a complimentary way. She was actually very frustrated um, and just overwhelmed from the amount of energy I was putting into things, uh, some things that weren't very good or productive. And then my dad will also say that my weakness is that I always try too hard at everything. So I have the same message coming at me from both sides. So it must be true. Uh, I am fantastic, honestly, at setting goals and achieving them. But that's not always a good thing when I'm setting too many goals because sometimes it's just too much or it's just not an appropriate goal for that time. And this is where I think strategy comes in. Uh, strategy just takes into account timing, resources, and capability, um, the things that help you kind of achieve balance. 
So, you know, when you first started working with us at Bright Futures, you mentioned that you lived unintentionally, that you were sort of scattered and letting life sort of happen to you. Of course, that's certainly not the case now, but can you speak about that? Absolutely. So, and let me say, Thank you for putting up with me when I first started working at Bright Futures because I really was a live wire. Um, I was that thing that you touch and you get an electric spark. Um, but again, it's not always great to give off sparks. You can burn people and you can burn yourself. So I was living reactively. I was just responding to everything. Um, I was trying to anticipate things. I was trying to plan for them, but it was all from a stressful context. Um, everything I was doing was just out of stress responses. So now I have the recognition um, that I can't control the future. And honestly, that's kind of where for me, it all came down to was I was responding to everything, thinking I was living in the present when I really wasn't. I wasn't putting any intentionality behind my responses. I was just reactive. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was trying to control the future so that I wouldn't have to keep reacting. But again, it was all from a stressful response. It was all from a stressful environment because I was letting kind of life t happen to me. I wasn't happening to life. So I really wanted to focus on being present um, and being intentional, as you've said, about being in the present and thinking about what do I want to do now? What is possible now? And that goes back to that strategy thing of, you know, looking at what kind of time do I have? What are my resources? Um, you know, what's the capability like energy wise that I have? What can I do now? And so it started looking like growth over stress. So where stress used to live, growth was now growing. It was taking over that space. And both are really hard. Don't think that I'm saying that growth is just this happy-go-lucky, easy thing where the sun is shining and you are blessed. Um, it is really hard and sometimes it can even feel harder and stickier um, than stress. But Growth is the thing that ends up having that productivity at the end. It has focus. It has intentionality. And ultimately, it's what gives you satisfaction. Yes. I can just hear it in your voice. And, you know, yet I know even before you came to work for me and the company, you were setting goals. I mean, you're a black belt, for goodness sake. So what in your life set you up to start goal setting? I mean, you were also the commander of the ROTC unit probably one of the youngest at your high school. And that's not easy when you're probably the only girl in the whole unit as well and becoming the commander. So you, you're, you are a very high flyer, high achiever. Thank you. Um, I do have a lot of things in my past, uh, including my recent past, where you know I accosted you in your office to ask if I could join your company, which I guess was a goal for me. And I, I checked that off. Um, but And you kept me around, which is great. But I don't know that I can point to one specific thing because I did get a black belt. I was a commander in ROTC. Um, some of that came from my own bullheadedness of always plowing through and achieving. But growing up, I, you know, I think I believed that if I wanted something, then it was up to me to get it. I liked knowing an outcome happened because of me, because of my initiative. It made me feel more capable and in control. And I was lucky enough to have parents 
Um, well, and now I have you, a boss, um, who made me believe I was capable of anything if I just put my mind to it. Although they were also really quick to say, and you might agree, Beth, that no one can get me into trouble other than myself, because I am really good at following the beat of my own drum. Uh, but sometimes that drum can uh, get a little wild, and that's when I lose some intentionality and focus and might overexert myself. But uh, I do appreciate, though, having people in my life like you that do continue to tell me I can do anything. It does matter. It makes a difference. I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, we're doing this together. I'm in your life. You're in my life. And we do kind of rub off on each other. And I think surrounding yourself as a young person with people that encourage you, that believe in you, and also help support your goals. You know, if your goal is to, you know, stop doing a certain behavior, procrastinating, then surround yourself with your, with the friends that say, yeah, I'm gonna be part of that solution to that problem of procrastination. Instead of saying, hey, let's go play hooky. Hey, let's go hang out. Let's go do something fun and not do our work. You know, we just need to surround ourselves with people like you, Elena, that encourage us and that push us toward the things that are gonna make life sweet. And, you know, we do put a lot of emphasis and intentionality and weight on goal setting with our clients. We do this because by setting the goals, like say freshman year, sophomore year, in terms of their college goals and their dreams, they see how powerful it is and they end up using goal setting the rest of their lives because they end up getting into the colleges that they believe they would like to attend when they're younger and then when they apply to college their senior year and they get accepted and they end up enrolling, they're like, wow, you know, um, it really works. And it's not us nagging them. Like, you know, we have a special relationship with our clients. We're not the parents. We have a special mentoring relationship. So what we say, even though we might be saying the same things the parents are saying, it's coming from a different person with a different relationship. And sometimes that's more powerful. Um, and I know that you tell your students about the strategies that you've used and, um, you know, we always try to go with the things that the students are already doing that, that are working for them. Um, even if your students are playing, let's say a lot of video games or a lot of computer games, and they, they're very into them. They even have their own headsets and microphones and they videotape them. And I mean, some of these students are extremely good at these games. And let's say that that becomes a gateway into talking about goal setting. Because I guarantee that if you speak the language of their goals, the things they care about, you can get them starting to, to make goals in other areas of their lives. So another part of living strategically is not to live as a victim. Um, and a lot of times when we criticize our students, let's say for playing too many computer games, and there certainly are students that do, um, they start feeling less motivated like they feel like a victim or something's wrong with me or I can't stop. And, you know, COVID is one excuse. It's going to be one big fat excuse for a lot of people this year because we can point to that and say, well, I didn't make all the money I wanted to make or I didn't make all the friends I wanted to make or my grades weren't that great because, you know, they went to a pass fail system and now I can't get to the call. Oh, they canceled the ACT last Saturday. I mean, let's face it we have a lot of reasons and a lot of good reasons to blame our um, lack of progress on COVID. But we train our students to shift in their thinking and 
to realize, you know what, you still have power and your mindset should not be one of a victim. It could be, okay, I'm in charge of this. What can I do? There's things I can't do. I couldn't take the ACT last Saturday, but there's some things I can do to prepare for college. I can start writing my essay. You know, there are things people can do. If they can't do some things, they can do others. We don't want our students to get into a helpless headspace. So in episode seven, I briefly talked about a young man who broke his ankle the day before he was supposed to report to Summer Beast, which is what they call the summer camp at the United States Air Force Academy. It is a grueling, that's why they call it Beast. It's a grueling summer camp. It's not like, oh, we get to splash in the pool and play badminton. Um, it's marching, it's hard training. So. This young man, Tommy, he could have easily slipped into the, oh, woe is me, I broke my ankle and my goal of attending the Air Force Academy is over. But I called him up and we talked about it. And I said, hey, Tommy, you've got a plane ticket to Colorado Springs. Just go ahead and show up. Yep, broken ankle and all. And it was even a blue cast. It was Air Force Academy blue. I said, you just keep going forward until somebody with stars on their shoulders, like a general officer, tells you, you need to go home. He did, he showed up with his broken ankle. And yes, he eventually did get tapped on the shoulder and told you need to go home. But here's the kicker. <laughs> he ended up getting a scholarship to attend the New Mexico Military Institute, NIMI for short, with a Falcon Foundation scholarship, which, which really meant he got a free scholarship to a college just from showing up. And the only award up to about 100 Falcon scholarships each year. So the fact that he showed up and was persevering and did get to you know, advocate for himself, he was able to go ahead and start college that fall. And at the, at the New Mexico Military Institute, what they do is um, they really are excellent at preparing young people for their applications to the academy. Well, he'd already received an appointment to the academy, but this year of maturity, of honing his military skills, getting his SATs and ACTs higher, getting a whole year of maturity gave him a huge edge and advantage over his Zoomy peers. And Zoomies are what they call the students at the Air Force Academy, the, the cadets. So he went in with a huge advantage because he was a year older, more mature and more ready in many ways. So teenagers, we've beat the drum. You need to start setting your goals now, no matter where you are in life, no matter where you are in the country, if you're hearing this podcast, set a goal. And don't be afraid of setting a big goal. At Bright Futures, we believe that people who live their lives with vision perform best in today's rapidly changing world. They form a picture of who they are, where they want to be, and how they will get there. So that's the quote that we give to all of our students when they take the Berkman assessment. We want them to feel empowered and in charge of their lives. They also need to understand that accepting themselves, accepting who they are with their weaknesses, with their setbacks, and sometimes their future won't actually look like what they envisioned, that that's also part of their life story. By the way, I know you're the championship homemade cookie maker, Elena, but have you ever cooked something that actually look nothing like the picture in the cookbook? I think every single cookie I've ever made looks nothing like the picture in the cookbook. 
But you know what? I think I would actually be a little disappointed if it did. <laughs> I like having things be unique. And again, I, I will experiment, as you said, with things like bananas and applesauce and coffee beans and things like that. So it, may, it makes goal setting for my cookies a little fun, even if it's a disaster sometimes. And I get to eat them and I would say they're delicious. And you know, sometimes they're better than the recipe in the book. So what we're gonna be talking about next is the creative part of goal setting um, and also some setbacks. So go back to my huge mosaic project that I finished two days ago. Um, it's a continuation of my love of coloring. When I was a child, I really got into free drawing. I would get out a marker and a piece of blank paper, no coloring books here, close my eyes and draw an outline on the page. And I called it a scribble scrabble. And then I would open up my box of 64 crayons and start coloring in my self-created coloring page. But your high school student can begin to get excited about their life when they realize they have one page, it's called their life. And they can set goals and chase after them. Once they achieve them, the satisfaction they feel will fuel the next goal and the next goal and the next goal. So right now, parents, now you get to ask yourself, are you holding the marker for your student? And be honest here, admit it, if you're holding the, the marker too tight, then you'll need to start little by little relinquishing the marker to your student. Because as you empower your student, you will see something so fierce and so wonderful and I don't want you to miss it. The reason why parents hold tightly to the marker is fear. And fear is running rampant in our culture right now. We need to stop being afraid. And we need to especially stop being afraid that our students are gonna fail and the resulting shame that comes with failing. Once you realize that your teenager is an emerging adult and that once high school ends, so does all the structure of high school. That is the six, the six classes a day, the extracurricular activities, you helping them manage a schedule. Most students really rely on this structured setting, but in college, they won't have the structure of six classes a day. And they won't have those extracurricular outings. And if they have them, they won't be paid for. They must create and draw their own life. But what will that look like? So parents, if you're holding too tightly to the marker or the student is holding tight to the structure, the student's transition into adulthood and into college will be far more difficult. Think about it this way. A teenager is like a kite. And as they grow up, they tug stronger and stronger on the string so they can fly freer and freer. Teenagers just love that freedom. The parents are holding the string and they can become a tug of war at times. Now think of the kite analogy again, but this time think about the parent letting out the string of freedom as a teen shows responsibility and follows through. Now this is how to fly a kite and raise a responsible adult too. In today's topsy-turvy world, things are changing daily. Our students feel that stress in their core. Many students are asking, why should I even set goals with all that's going on in the world? Everything has been canceled this summer, camps, programs, tests. We're seeing this defeatist mindset enter into the college planning and preparation process. And that's why it's so important to have plan B. While you're doing this, create plan C and plan D too. Sometimes we may find that our plan B's are actually better than plan A's, like with Elena's cookies, especially the ones with bananas. I love those. 
We just have to let ourselves release that control without giving up our goals. This comes down to dealing with setbacks. We're all guaranteed to have setbacks and that's okay. Setbacks are a big part of the goal setting process. So factor that in. Parents, we encourage you to work with your teenager to continue to reach for their goals in the middle of setbacks. Encourage them. If you don't do anything else, encourage your student. If they don't know how to keep going forward, let them flounder a little bit for a while. Most will figure it out. If they can't still find their footing and start sliding back too far for comfort, then suggest a few ideas for them to implement. Avoid the temptation to take control of their marker. So Lena, what advice do you give students about coping with setbacks? Eat cookies? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's usually my go-to move. Um, no, actually, the first thing, though, I especially in a time like this, the first advice I would have to students who are coping with setbacks is to move. Just move. Um, because for most people, the initial reaction is to turtle, you know, to kind of Freeze. Yeah. tuck in and sleep and sleep some more and numb out, you know, and it usually ends up in you not moving at all. You're vegging out in front of something. Um, I'm not saying even move productively, but I know for me, for instance, in the last couple of days, it's been stressful and I made two batches of cookies, <laughs> but what those cookies required me to do was get up and move around my kitchen and taste test things and let my son do the little fork crisscross on top of some peanut butter applesauce cookies I experimented with, um, which were fantastic. And so just moving helped put me in a different mindset. So that is what I would recommend to students. For some, it is gonna be very physical, you know, to get outside, to walk around. For others, it's gonna look like something like baking cookies or doing something as easy as getting up to go talk to your parent or sister or brother in the next room. But when we move, um, our brain automatically tells us that something is being done. We are headed in a certain direction and it can break you out of that kind of numbing, you know, in place uh, context that we're in. Then after that, once you get moving, once your brain is uh, perked up a little bit, I would say dream and dream honestly. I think that's something teenagers don't do enough. Uh, I think they, I see this a lot when students begin writing their essays for college. They've never really been asked, who are you? Tell me about yourself. They're just living out expectations given to them by teachers and other friends and their parents. Um, you know, who are placing their own dreams and hopes and wishes on them. And when you ask them to dream honestly, uh, students, it's going to take you a little while. It may not come as easily as you think. Um, your initial dream might just be, I want to get away from the house. I want to do my own thing. That's okay, but keep going. Um, ask yourself what it is that you really want. Um, what is your actual goal? Where do you want to be in life? Where do you want to be going? And then when you start to dream honestly, you can create those goals and start doing like action and baby steps. Because again, if you've had a setback, no one is asking you to go out there and conquer the world. Um, even just doing that baby step of, okay, what is one little thing I can do to get closer to the goal I've set? It can be very tiny. So if your dream is to run a marathon, 
then obviously a baby step would be, I'm going to get up off the couch and I'm going to walk around the block. That is a baby step and it is action and it is happening and you can check it off <laughs> if you want to, um, you know, you're supposed to be doing an AP course that you really do want to get done. You know, it's going to be good for you. Your brain needs to be challenged, but man, you just can't think of, you know, completing that AP course over the summer right now. Do a baby step, download the syllabus and review it. Nothing else. Um, log in <laughs> for some of you, that may be something you haven't done yet, but create a little action list and check it off. No matter how small any step forward, um, I think will help you kind of gain momentum and coming back from a setback. Well, those are excellent suggestions. And I know you've had setbacks, I've had setbacks, but, and we've talked about baking and moving, but what really inspires you when you have a setback? It's hard to feel inspired. It is hard to feel inspired. Um, but for me, honestly, it goes back to motivations. So going all the way back to when we talked about that, uh, motivations can be very complex and big, but they can also be simple. So for me, a simple motivation is asking myself, you know, what would make me happy? What would motivate me right now? That is like a healthy, emotionally healthy thing. And it's available. Remember, we're talking about, you know, strategy. So you don't want to think of a motivation that is, or something that inspires you that is unattainable right now. But a small, simple thing might be ice cream in moderation, you know, maybe go for the, the pint, not the gallon. Uh, <laughs> but it could be ice cream, it could be a hug, just asking for a hug from someone. Um, so little things like that can sometimes be the motivation to do a baby step. And sometimes it's going to be bigger things. Uh, I'm a single mom of two kids. So my kids are a huge motivation to me, um, as are the people I love, like my family, even my coworkers. Um, they really inspire me. Uh, when I'm having a hard time, I give them a call and uh, complain to them. And you know they lift me up and give me that energy I'm missing. But I also find that when I'm more present and aware, in the moment, it is easier to kind of gain inspiration and energy from those little available things that are, you know, constantly around us. Um, for me, I actually got a smile on my face from looking at a little plump blackberry that I was eating. I don't know why, but just, just looking at that little healthy fruit in my hand just really made my day. And I thought, wow, how cool that this little blackberry is just this perfect, funny, round little fruit. And it made me smile. And it also made me want to keep eating them, which is healthy. <laughs> um, but things like sunsets, music, it might sound cheesy, but really it's kind of going back to basics. Those things that surround us all the time when we can't get access to our friends because of quarantine or COVID or things are canceled. Um, look for things, be present and see what's around you that is available to inspire you. That would, that's what inspires me. Mm. And I think it's a little bit easier when you have one or two little things, but what about a contagion of setbacks? Like people that do have health problems and you know, we're relatively healthy people, but we do have students and we have parents that we're talking to that have, that, that have health issues. Um, things that are really not within their control. Yeah, absolutely. I I think a lot of us are going through a contagion of setbacks right now. But even if this is not the period for it, um, I've definitely had other times in my life where it seemed like 
man, the punches just kept coming. Um, or there was just one really big setback that completely, you know, knocked me out and it felt really hard to get back up. And I, you know, lost motivation. I didn't want to do anything, but when times like that happen, something I've continuously told myself is that life will look different in six months. I don't know why that time period is what sticks in my head, but that is what I tell myself is, and I found it to be true. Um, I've lived a little bit of life. And so I can look back, um, you know, a decade or more and say, you know what, that is absolutely true. Life looks different than it did six months ago. Um, so when we feel stuck or like the bad thing, like quarantine or something is never going to end, uh, you know, sure, we may still have some form of quarantine in six months, but I promise life will look different. Um, you won't be stuck exactly where you are. You will not be um, dealing with the exact same things that you are now. And then similarly, a quote I like is, never give up on a dream because of the time it will take. The time will pass anyway. So when we encounter those big setbacks and we want to give up on the dream, we want to give up on our goals, uh, and feel like doing nothing, like it's not worth it, then I would just say it's going to pass anyway. This time is going to happen. And so it's going to move on whether we do or not. So we can either impact or influence that change or not. Hmm. Yeah, that reminds me, just this morning in the newspaper, I picked it up off the porch and there was a picture of a, a man, 101 years old, pumping iron. He works out every single day. And I just thought about, wow, I bet you he set a goal way back when, maybe when he was a teenager, to get buff, you know? And I was thinking with all of this quarantine and isolation, it is a great time to get healthy and maybe even work on some physical goals. And that also coincides with your get moving um, suggestion. Uh, you know, and, and there are gonna be times when you can give yourself permission to have a pity party. Like when you do have a contagion of setbacks, it's, it's hard. You have, we're emotional. We have feelings. We're sad. We're grieving. We really wanted that one thing that didn't happen. It's going to take my granddaughter to Disney World in April. And I was very bummed. I used to work at Disney World. I love Disney World. And I didn't get to take her. And I did let myself have a pity party. And then, you know, I was talking to my Disney planner today and I said, I think we're going to shoot for next April or maybe May. But, you know, Disney opens this week. So I'm mentioning Disney because I love Walt Disney World. But what I want to get at is you're allowed to have a pity party. You know, don't pretend like it doesn't hurt. It does hurt. But don't let your life become one big pity party. Otherwise, that will define you and not Disney World. You want Disney World to define you. You want your goals to define you. So as a Christian woman, I also repeat this phrase to myself when I'm in a setback. Disappointments are his appointments. Let me say that again. Disappointments are his appointments. When I'm in one of those low moments, I reflect on what the Lord is doing in my life. Maybe plan A is not where I was supposed to be after all. And plan B is absolutely the path I need to be on. So then I have to relinquish, sometimes pry my fingers off the control of my life and give it back over to God. Because the universe will play in your direction and the true rewards will come your way when you have this mindset. Another reason why teenagers need to learn how to set goals is because the goal setting process requires a student to initially identify who they are. Students should be able to say, I know who I am. 
like Elena was saying, the quotes on the college applications or the, the prompts on the college application essays are, who are you? Write about yourself. Very broad prompts on the college applications. So if you know who you are, stand firm in who you are. Get to know your heart and your intentions. Goals need to be aligned with who you are as a person. Parents, help your student be clear on who they are. Give them feedback, the things you love about them, their strengths. This goes back to self-acceptance. And we did a podcast on that. I think it was our very first podcast and it's extremely popular. People love that podcast. And it tells people how to practically accept themselves. There are going to be setbacks in life, but we need to learn how to stay true to ourselves and to our goals in the midst of setbacks. Whether they're personal or global setbacks, we need to stay true to who we are. And this has a trickle down effect. Um, we can't really pretend like nothing is happening in today's world. So it spreads. The good, the joy, the cookies, the bounty of our life overflowing with positivity, admiring a Blackberry, um, setting goals to still be working out when you're 101 years old, like the man on the front page of the paper. You know, these things all spread goodness into the world and the world needs that goodness right now. So just a little side talk about um, what we do at Bright Futures. We use the Berkman, B-I-R-K-M-A-N assessment. And we use that to assess and identify strengths, interest, stress behaviors, and needs. The Berkman really helps our students identify what college majors fit their interests and strengths, help them select activities and courses during high school and college, identify career paths where they will thrive, helps them create their goals. We use it a lot for goal setting. It also helps them understand their unique productive and unproductive behaviors and to articulate their unique strengths through the college or job application process. We'll provide more information about the Berkman assessment in today's show notes. I don't know if you've ever watched the Roadrunner and Coyote cartoon. It's a little repetitive. I mean, it's the same over and over, just a little bit different variations on the theme, but I aspire to be the Roadrunner. He knows who he is. The Roadrunner runs the road and the Coyote is always trying to kill and destroy the Roadrunner. So I guess the Coyote also knows who he is. He's the bad guy. The Roadrunner never responds to him though. He just keeps his focus and just keeps on running and he keeps saying beep beep. So there might be some areas in your life that you have to turn around just now that you want to make some changes in. That's okay. It's what makes life interesting. If we were robots, our brains would be useless. So finally, goal setting helps your teenager to learn coping skills. They're not robots, they're people. And they learn to channel their emotions by working towards a goal and dealing with setbacks. That's how we grow. The most important coping skills for succeeding as an independent young adult are goal setting and handling setbacks in healthy coping ways. Parents, if you're constantly helping your teenager Let's say you're dropping off their forgotten lunch or their homework. It's time to stop that. It's time to really help your teenager mature and help them take responsibility and grow from some of the pain and setbacks. So Lena, do you have any last words of wisdom for our parents or students who are listening before we wrap up? Well, I love quotes. So I'm, I'm going to give you another quote. Uh, it's one of my favorites and it's the best way to predict the future is to create it. So make sure you create one you can live with. Uh, when you're enabling or pushing, prodding your teenager, 
ask yourself, is this what I want to keep doing for the future? Do you want that to be your job is to constantly have to push and prod them and enable them so that they, you know, are productive or that they do things. Um, if you're the teenager, then make sure you pay attention to what inspires you and fulfills you because life is too short and too long to be building a future based on someone else's goals. And for both the parent and teen, you know, again, the scenario I just uh, described with a parent, you know, pushing, prodding, pulling their, their teenager to get them to do something, um, ultimately, it becomes your goal, it becomes your future to be forcing that teen a certain path. And teenagers, you know, you want a future you can be proud of, and you're not going to be proud of one unless it's one that you yourself have created for reasons that mean something to you. So again, um, to predict the future, you know, we create it. So create that future that you want. Wow, that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Elena, for joining me today. You're welcome. We really want to have you back soon because like you're the, you guys can tell, you know, she's the fun one. I'm the serious one, right? Um, so we will include all the homework and a college resources uh, section for you to check out in our show notes. And you can find the show notes at brightfuturesllc.com slash show notes. Here are some things I want you to do this week. I know. Yes, I'm giving homework because when you talk about goals, then you have homework and you have to start setting goals. So start engaging with your teenager on their level, whether it's video games or sports, help them to practice goal setting, even in those areas that maybe you're not real crazy about, but they are. Release the grip on your teenager's success and let them fall short or even fail. If they forget their homework at home, don't break it to them. They need to learn how to be responsible for themselves. Encourage and cheer on your teenager to reach for their goals, even during setbacks and times like these. Listen to episode one on self-acceptance, and this will help you build a framework to approach your teenager on goal setting, because it's all about accepting them and having them accept themselves. So to conclude, I'm gonna join in with Elena's love of quotes, and I'm gonna quote from Winston Churchill. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Bye, y'all. Be sure to check out part two in two weeks where we will talk about how to practically set goals. Thanks for joining us this time on Self Accepted, guiding families through college admissions and big transitions. Created by your college counseling experts at Bright Futures Consulting. You can find more resources or schedule a complimentary consultation with a Bright Futures expert today on the Bright Futures Consulting website. That address is brightfuturesllc.com slash consultation hyphen podcast. If you like this month's podcast episode, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode. You're officially one step closer to helping your student accomplish their college dreams their future will thank you.